Well, friends, I have something to say to you that I only get to say once a year. You ready for this? Here it is. Happy New Year. This is Dick Foth with Stories to Make Sense of It All, and we're charging into 2022 with great hopes and dreams. And I'm gonna go back and continue reading the book that Ruth and I had the privilege of writing a few years ago. We're in chapter 12. It's taking us a while to get through because we drop other podcasts down in the middle of it. But I just think it'd be a good place to start 2022. And the chapter title is called Fighting Fair. Now, we don't want to start 2022 with a fight, but it actually has to do with the subject of conflict. And conflict is uh, is a neutral thing, as we'll find out. And it's just what happens when we live our lives. Listen to this. This is how it starts. If you actually succeed in creating a utopia, you've created a world without conflict, in which everything is perfect. And if there's no conflict, there are no stories worth telling or reading. Veronica Roth. Here's the chapter. You have to say, I'm sorry, a hundred times fast before I'll let you come downstairs, Jenny said to Susanna. Our daughters were six and three. Saying I'm sorry a hundred times fast was a little kid's version of saying rubber baby buggy bumpers. Impossible. When I asked Ruth, why did the kids scrap and squabble so much? She gave me one of those looks that said, if you would take the time to remember or perhaps to think in a straight line. You'd know the answer to that question. They're kids. We discover early that life is more than affirming words. In-your-face stuff happens over things large and small, things of consequence and of no consequence. People see life from different angles. Everywhere we turn, tensions flare around the globe. A cemetery may be the only place devoid of conflict, as far as I know. Every human relationship will involve conflict. If there is none, there is no stake, no investment. Each person brings his or her uniqueness to the table with feelings and ideas and passion. Differences pop up, but friendship finds a way to work through the differences to another good day. Because I like to be liked. I'm going to say that again. Because I like to be liked. My tendency has always been to avoid conflict. Because I spent my teen years in a home where tension bubbled just beneath the surface, again, my tendency is to avoid conflict. Because I'd rather love than fight, my tendency is to avoid conflict. I'm not alone in this. There are many people just like me. Resolution lies in this question. How do we see conflict? For much of my life, I saw it as a negative because of how it made me feel. I was wrong in that assessment. It is neutral, neither good nor bad. My response to it makes it good or bad. Response takes conflict out of neutral and puts it in gear. The gear we select will move us either forward or backward, and we get to choose. David Augsburger, who served many years as a Mennonite pastor in Washington, D.C., has some insightful thoughts on conflict. His book, 
caring enough to confront was pivotal in helping me see conflict and confrontation in a new light. He lists five ways we usually respond to conflict. Of the five options in conflict situations, number one is I win, you lose. Number two, I want out, I'll withdraw. Number three, I'll give in for good relations. Number four, I'll meet you halfway. Number five, I can care and confront. The last is the most effective, the most truly loving, the most growth-promoting for human relationships. But often, it will not be the starting point, but the long-term goal. Here's how it works. I'll get you. This response is the most visceral and natural. You confront me, and I attack you. From the schoolyard to the boardroom, we know this action. You push me, and I push back. Sometimes, when we know conflict is imminent, we can even make a preemptive strike. We say in our heads, I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm going to get you. We've all done it, right? Second is, I'll give in. This approach is a typical avoidance mechanism. You're always right. I'm always wrong. I'll just curl up in the prenatal position over here on the floor and eat some worms. <laughs> the person who always yields to the other to avoid conflict is not helping the relationship. Third, I'll get out. Nothing makes our point better, we think, than walking away. That's how you're going to be. I'm out. We think that getting away from the offending party is the ultimate way to avoid discomfort. Actually, if the confrontation is intense, taking a break and stepping away temporarily may not be bad. But to get in the habit of leaving is of no help. Let's meet halfway. It's the fourth thing. Compromise is always promising. It means each party comes halfway toward the other. It eases tensions immediately. The last one, the best one, is I care enough to confront. My tendency is to confront the person I have an issue with. But there has to be a better way. My tendency is to confront the person I have an issue with. But there has to be a better way to deal with problem besides shouting, who's the idiot who left the Diet Pepsi on the end table in the family room? When I do that, I assassinate someone's character for the sake of a watermark on the table. In my view, caring and confronting in simplest form is affirming the person and confronting the issue. We see Jesus do this several times in the Gospels. John 13 and 14 record him engaging a some guys might leave you but I never will, Simon Peter, on the night before the crucifixion. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. He confronts the issue, then affirms all the disciples in the very next sentence. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms, but were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. My very favorite example is the passage that begins John 8. Sometimes 
contested because it's not found in the early manuscripts of the Gospels. This passage speaks volumes about who Jesus is. At dawn, here it is, at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered round him and he sat down to teach. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. We don't know what Jesus wrote in the dirt. It's been suggested it was names and addresses of women the accusers had been with. Whatever he wrote, after he finished, he stood up and said, Any of you who has never sinned, fire away. Hit her with the rocks. Stoop down again to keep writing. As the crowd hushed, you hear the thud of rocks being dropped. When Jesus stood up a second time, the crowd was still there, but the accusers were gone. Their scattered rocks, a mute testimony to their hypocrisy. In my mind's eye, I see him reach over and tilt her chin up so that she is looking straight up at him. Her face is a study in pain. The smudged coal lining around her eyes tracks down her cheeks. Her eyes have the flat, dull look of someone used up and discarded. Then she hears his question. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She turns her head and sees no one holding a rock. There has to be relief and wonderment in her voice because that simple fact takes her from death to life. No, no one, sir, she says. I see the broad smile spread across that tan carpenter face as he says, me neither. Go and don't do that anymore. Or to phrase it another way, you are a great lady, and that's not what great ladies do. And light sparks behind her eyes. I don't know if the crowd cheered, but they should have. He was talking to them too. Here we come. It was a warm California spring day as Dave Householder and I drove the 90 miles inland from coastal Santa Cruz to Los Banos in the Central Valley of California. Dave had been friend for some years since he finished his PhD at the University of Illinois with an emphasis on how people learn. He and his wife, Linda, had spent many years in South Asia and their cross-cultural gifts were stellar. This was about to be one of those cross-cultural days. One of our friends connected to Los Banos High School had asked me to come there to speak on building relationships in a time of conflict. The conflict at that moment happened to center on race. The farming community, numbering about 10,000 at the time, had a historic mix of Spanish, Portuguese, Basque, and white populations with smaller groups of Asian and African-American students. The high school had seen some tension 
as the racial composition began to change. And that week, Dave had been visiting the college where I was president, so I asked him to come with me to Los Banos and bring a few of his friends. On the way over Pacheco Pass, we were talking about his unique gift as a ventriloquist. I've never heard a better ventriloquist in my life, and certainly never one that held a doctorate. I told him, we're going into a setting that's a wee bit tense, and I need all your skills. When he asked me how that might work, I explained Dr. Augsburger's five approaches to conflict. And by the time we drove up to the high school, Dave was ready to go. His, quote, friends, end quote, came along in the suitcase he carried into the classroom. Atmosphere is a word that's hard to define, but it's easy to tell when it's tense. It was abundantly clear that the faculty and coaching staff who were there for this in-service experience would have given most anything to be someplace else at 4 p.m. on a Thursday afternoon on that lovely spring day. The principal introduced me, but the atmosphere remained a stony silence. Choosing to address the elephant in the room, I said, well, seems we have something in common. None of us really wants to be here at this moment. Then with something of a forced grin, I said, so let's try to make it fun. I'd like you to welcome my friend David Householder. He's here from Nepal, and he's brought some friends. He stepped forward to half-hearted applause. David proceeded to talk about the very different country where he'd been living for 10 years, a country populated by very different people. Then he said, I actually have brought one of them with me. Historically, he's been challenging to connect with and quite reclusive. But by great good fortune, we have become friends. Whereupon he flipped open the clasps on the suitcase, and before he could open it, a muffled voice said, Hey, what's going on out there? David replied, Well, I'm here with some new friends that I want you to meet. Oh, I don't know about that, the voice said. What are they like? Well, come see, David said, as he brought a large green shaggy arm sock out of the suitcase. This fine fellow is my friend, the Yeti. We were looking at a bright green cousin of Sesame Street's Cookie Monster. My friend, the Yeti, is an abominable snowman, quite rare and quite, shall we say, different, David continued. So, how has it been coming to America? How have you been received? Well, the Yeti said, when I came to New York, when people saw me all green and shaggy like this, children screamed and men tried to attack me. Parentheses, I'll get you. End quote. End parentheses. Parentheses, I'll get you. End parentheses. Then when I got to Chicago, it was Christmas, so I thought I'd try a different tack. Being green like I am, I hired on as a Christmas tree. But it's so tiring standing stock still for hours on end with your head tilted back and a star on the end of your nose. Parentheses, I'll give in. End parentheses. A couple of the teachers chuckled. So how was it when you got out here to California, David asked. Really interesting, the Yeti said. After all the judgment I'd felt in New York and the strain of Chicago, I was pretty anxious. But you know, the greatest thing happened. I visited the University of California at Santa Cruz, and nobody even seemed to notice me. In that moment, 
the faculty from this quite conservative section of the state exploded in laughter. David had them. The coaches in the back row of the tiered classroom who had expressed boredom, lighting up cigarettes and gazing absentmindedly out the windows to their right, turned toward David and stubbed out their smokes. The older teacher who had been thumbing through a book because she had been here done this a hundred times before, closed her book and looked up. David said, so what do you do when the pressure just builds up? How do you handle it? Well, said the Yeti, when I really feel beat up and hurt and just can't take it anymore, I climb back in that suitcase with my other friends. Then we talk about how hard it is to do what we do and how unappreciated we are and how nobody really understands how valuable we are. What do you uh, call that place, David said. The Yeti looked up at him, then out at the audience of about 30 teachers and said, well, we call that the puppet's lounge. It was dead silent for two beats, then the room erupted in cheers and applause. At the end of the hour, the tension was gone and we had a new set of friends. The older female teacher walked up to David and paid him the highest of compliments. I was in Vegas a few weeks ago and paid big money to see somebody who wasn't nearly as good as you. You've missed your calling. What might have become conflict piled onto other conflicts had become a window to resolution, and friends had been gained. Friends can count on conflict, and friends can count on resolving it. That's it for today. Going forward, I'd encourage you not just to um, react or pull away when you hear the word conflict. Conflict is neutral, it's natural, and it's an opportunity to see some really positive things happen if we stay patient, take the time, and understand what we're about as we enter that arena. Have a wonderful week going forward, and let's go out with some happy music. Catch you next time.